have graduated with degrees. And I just think we need to give them a shout out. Tessa has an associate's in criminal justice. It's going to be a bachelor's in December. And Tim just graduated in business administration, a bachelor's in business administration. Let's give them a round of applause for their hard work. Yes. That's an accomplishment. And so uh, as Pastor Chad makes his way up here, um, I just want to tell you that we have a special business meeting that will take place in two weeks. Two weeks from today. Today's the 5th, not the 12th, but the 19th. Immediately after our morning service, we'll just, it'll be, it should be relatively quick, that we will just wrap up our morning service and we will just pray and then afterward we'll just have a meeting right in here for anybody that is interested in staying. If you are curious about becoming a voting member, just make sure you see me and I will get you the documents and the commitment form that that entails and what that all requires. A voting membership allows you to have a voice and a vote in this meeting. The meeting's open to anybody. But if you want to have a vote in the meeting, you have to be a voting member, a qualified member. So see me if you're not sure, if you have not done that. And so uh, <clears throat> that is going to take place in two weeks. And so immediately after service. So and then we have a wedding invitation. That is Jacob Perkins and Brittany Huey. Brittany stepped out, didn't she? We really need to get Brittany back in here. So that we can embarrass her, but um, Jacob and Brittany are going to be getting married on s Saturday, I almost said Sunday, August 8th of this year, and they are getting married at, at 2 in the afternoon. The ceremony is open to everybody, so that means you are all invited to this beautiful, wonderful ceremony, celebration of their marriage on August 8th, but the reception is by invitation only because, you know, you just can't feed and give everybody everything invite the whole city. So the reception is by invitation only. The wedding is open to everyone. And then uh, next Sunday, you're going to be blessed. Brother Nir is in town, evangelist that bases out of this church. And he's actually going to be preaching here. And he's going to have a word from God for the church. Uh, as of right now, I'm scheduled to preach in Lebanon, Missouri. And so um, you pray for me. I'll pray for you. We'll all have great church in different locations. Amen. And so, Brother Chad, come tell us what you got going on. Praise the Lord, everybody. I got to say, man, when my brother-in-law asked me to preach the first service, we're all back together, I was shocked. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. I, I, do have an I do have an important announcement, though. So uh, we have been, me and my wife have been youth pastors now for six years. And for six years, I have gone out of my way to avoid one type of event. <laughs> and I have successfully done so for six years. Until next week on Friday, we are going to be having our first and only ever Youth Impact Student Ministries and Hyphen Ministries lock-in and youth service. It's going to be it's going to be something. Um, but I wanted to give everybody a quick update. So that's going to be here at the church. It's going to start at 6 p.m. For anybody who is 12 years of age and older, you are part of the youth group. You're part of it. And anybody who's part of Hyphen Ministries, you are open to join. Not only are you, is it open for you to join, please come. I'm going to be here for 12 hours. I need you here too. It's going to be, it's going to be great. We've got a lot of stuff planned. Um, as far as safety and security goes, we're going to have the cameras on. We're going to have a security team. Uh, well, I shouldn't say we're going to have a security. I'm going to be the security team, but we're going to have security cameras on. We're going to be here in the church um, downstairs. It's going to be safe. 
we hope. It's going to be great. Um, but I wanted to tell everybody we're going to kick it off with a youth service. Please come. This is going to be our first youth service in quite a few months. I'm expecting God to do great things. So parents, um, if you have any questions, please see me after service today. If you have no questions, just pray for us because we're hoping for a great time. So thank you all. I will see you all next Friday at 6 o'clock. Thank you. Are you going to the lock-in or no? Okay. I had the joke with my wife. We used to be youth leaders, and uh, my wife, um, she is multi-talented. You want her on everything. The only thing I think you don't want my wife in on in ministry is a, is a lock-in. <laughs> she becomes a different person about 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> she, she's open with this. I'm not in trouble for this comment. So... Praise God. What a joy it is to be back in the house of the Lord with everybody. Not everybody. I know some people are watching online. But to have the invitation where we can all gather together at one time. And so let's go to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 10 verse 1. It says, sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites. By the way, Tiffany is leaving and she's going to the restroom. Sorry. But it was her birthday. On July 3rd. Happy birthday, Sister Tiffany Condren. That one I probably am going to be in trouble for. Just dawned on me. And then Don Huey's birthday's tomorrow, I think, right? Who else has a birthday in July? Raise your hand if you have a, Right here, Felicia, Diana, we got birthday... What, are you pointing? Emma and Whitney, both? All right, okay. We got Isabella. We got Sister Lynn Dornbach. Dane back there. Man, this is, look at this, Blanca. We got all kinds of July birthdays. I just want to sing, but I'm not that inspired because I'll mess up your birthday. I'll make your birthday memorable if I sing, but not in a good way. And so, man, my sister-in-law is going to kill me. Chad, go to bat for me, okay? Um, so it says, King Nahash of the Ammonites died. His son Hanan became the king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash and was always loyal to me. And so David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these men are coming to honor your, your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors, shaved off each man's beard, cut off their robe at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. At least I just gave the kids something to talk about at the way home. When David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell him, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back, for they felt deep shame because of their appearance. This morning, I want to just preach on this title. Individual battles, but one army. Individual battles, but one army. Pray with me. God, you are great. We just sang about it. You are so so great. What a privilege it is that we can gather and lift your name up and sing and worship and exalt you and that you actually hear us and respond to us and inhabit the praise of your people. You are so awesome. God, what a privilege it is to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Even though David was a mighty warrior with much bloodshed on his hands, we often see the Bible paint a picture of him, dare I say, a, a gentle side, a, a meek side. He had a heart for God. He was immensely loyal to those who were loyal 
to him. Just a chapter before this text, we were going back to 2 Samuel 9, we see David tracking down a remaining member of the family of Saul, a, a lame man named Mephibosheth who had been dropped and, and could not walk. And, and, and he finds him, he tracks him down and says, you need to come to my house and eat at my table. And, and, and so he takes Mephibosheth under his wing. And so at the very next chapter, though, we see David trying to extend a hand of peace and mercy and friendship to King Hanan of the Ammonites because his father, Nahash, was always loyal to David. And so, again, we see that immense loyalty. You loyal to me, I'll be loyal to you, all right? And so he, maybe he picked that up being on the battlefield so many times. There was, there was a brotherhood, a camaraderie, the understanding that it takes work as a team when you're in battle. And he brings this mindset to the throne as a king. Loyalty is valuable and honorable. But Hanan listens to some advice from his advisors. And he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't just reject David's hand of peace and loyalty. He actually completely dishonors David and the whole nation... Because of what he does, the humi humiliating display of private areas under the garment was associated with military defeat and exile. So King Hanan was aiming to send a message. His actions were, were trying to speak something to David. Kind of like, hey, don't mess with me. I'm a tough guy. You know, he, he tries to send this, this message. And we later see King Solomon's, or King, uh, King David's son, it's King Solomon's son, I'm sorry, Rehoboam. He does the same type of thing when he takes the throne years later. He tries to rule his people with an iron fist when his advisors, his elders were saying, hey, this is not wise, it's not a good idea. But the younger guys are like, you need to show them what's up. And so he comes and says, you think my father was tough? Wait till you see what I do. And it ended up causing the division. That really is what sparked the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. And so new leaders sometimes... They have to fight their own insecurities when it comes to a new position. We see this in the workplace. This is not just church stuff, you know. You get a new boss that comes in, and maybe they're a little younger, and they got to come in and like, you know, they're trying to establish themselves. That's just insecurity. And so we see this. David hears about this, and he first handles the humiliation his own men are facing before he does anything else. He deals with them. He says, you stay there. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan for your return. But then he is obviously very, 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 very mad. So mad, in fact, that the news of his anger makes its way back to his enemies. Verse 6, when the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David. What, what do you think transpired that that got back to the enemy? Oh, David's angry. Like, what was done? What was said that it literally news travels down the road? Bro, we got King David super angry. I made a, I, that reminds me of a joke. I saw a meme on Facebook. I, now I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember it. But it was like, the next time your wife gets really, really mad at you, put a towel around her neck and say, now you're, now you're super mad. 
And then it says, she might laugh, you might die. If anybody tries it, let me know how it goes, because I'm not going to try it. When the people realized how angry they, I mean, David was angry. They sent hired, sent in hired 20,000 Armenian foot soldiers from the lands of Beth Rehob and Zobah, 1,000 from the king of Macha, and 12,000 from the land of Tob. King Hanan realizes, hey, we're going to need some help. David's pretty well known around these parts. You don't want to get him mad. So let's get 33,000 hired mercenaries to come and help us out and see what happens. And so the enemy will do that. The enemy will always try to make the child of God feel like you are outnumbered. The enemy will always try Elijah. I'm, on, I'm the only one serving you. Like the enemy will always try to make you feel like you're standing Alone. Always. And so the battle didn't even need to take place. This could have continued to be a story of beautiful peace and loyalty between two nations. But how many times are battles started between people and even nationalities? Simply because someone acted out or spoke out in a certain way without recognizing the far-reaching ramifications. David, being the decisive leader he is, never one to shy away from a good battle. <laughs> Teenager, I mean, like, who, he wants to fight? I'll go, let's go. Man, I'll go, I'll go fight right now. So, verse 7, David heard about this. He sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonite troops come, came out and drew out their battle lines at the entrance of the city gate, while the Armenians from Zobah and Rehob and the men from Tob and Mechah positioned themselves to fight in the open fields. When Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, he chose some of Israelites, Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Armenians in the fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother Abishai, who was to attack the Ammonites. Joab quickly realizes, hey, we got we to split up here. We got to split up. I don't think that splitting up is ever enjoyable. You ever think about this? I, if you haven't realized this, especially through everything we've just come through, imagine what it would have been like to be in battle. Now, some of you who have served in combat situations in our country, you have a much better understanding of this than I do. But I know the situation sometimes calls for, for strategy like this. So, you know, you have to go that way. You guys go with him, go with her. You know, you're going to split up. We're going to go this way. Look at here. Joab and Abishai, they're brothers. And each go their separate way for a battle. Imagine leaving your sibling and saying, you go that way and take a group. I'm going that way and take a group. And knowing you're marching in opposite directions from people you have trained with, you have been friends with, family members, and you walk away knowing this might be the last time I see my family member. Think about that. It's not like you, we just read a line like they, they split up, went that way, went that way. Like we don't think much about that. But even that itself is difficult. Hey, brother, 
go give me a hug, man. This might be the last. You go fight, fight. I'm going to fight, and, and, and prayerfully we'll see each other again. And they go separate directions. As I read this story, I just, I just couldn't help but think about the association of that to where we are spiritually as a church. Today is our first Sunday back together. We're not fully back together. We have a lot of people watching online. But it's our first Sunday where we say, we're welcome. Come back together. One body. Let's gather in the place. See, the COVID situation called for a strategy to be developed where we could kind of needed to go our separate ways for a season. And honestly, if our public health center increases restrictions, we might have to revisit that. And we have to be flexible. We're trying to navigate all this. At first, we had to meet strictly online. We didn't even see one another. And for those of you that were kind enough to drive by my house, I heard from so many people that said, when we gathered in that library parking lot, I actually fought back tears. And I wasn't there, so I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, we hadn't seen each other in so long, just looking through our car windows and seeing the smiling face of someone in my army. Just brought so much joy to my heart. And then we had to have part of our army or team assemble on Saturday night, and then another part assemble on Sunday morning. And, and you know, if we're not careful, this, this can leave the army of the Lord feeling disconnected from one another. Wondering, I don't even know how the other person is doing, and praying that they're even still in the battle. But I want you to think about something. Even though they were splitting up, Strategy was changing for a season. They were in different locations. It was still the same battle, and they were still the same army. The situation that presented itself to the children of God caused them to address their strategy, but the battle was going to go on whether or not the children of God acted. So it was imperative that, we, that they act, and so... Don't ever think, don't ever forget that in the midst of dating, going back to school, getting married, having children, living in nice homes, driving nice cars, going on family vacations, climbing the corporate ladder, attending a nice church, saving for a relaxing retirement. Don't ever forget and it, you know, all this stuff that there is still a battle going on in the spiritual realm. Right now we just kind of get... Like, we're, there's so much going on, and there's so much tension. You, 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 I've never felt so much tension walking into Walmart. I mean, like, you feel like everywhere you go, you wear a mask, you're judged. You don't wear a mask, you're judged. Like, you're just like, whoa, hey, just there's tension everywhere. You just... But don't ever forget that in the midst of all the things that we're kind of distracted with and consumed by, that, that there is a very real spiritual battle. There is warfare going on in your spiritual realm, your world right now. There is an absolute battle for your soul. Scripture tells us this. Paul writes about it. He says, a final word in Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put 
on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Why? Because he doesn't just have one strategy. The devil has multiple strategies. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood, and that's what people are thinking right now. This is, you know, you say, well, well, COVID, there's people arguing about the different mindsets, even racial tension in our world. People, we get consumed with, like, the difference in the person, and we think we're having a battle against a person. Listen, racism is sin. It's a battle in the spiritual realm. It's a battle in, 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 in what the devil's mentality of the world should be. And so if he can get his church distracted by all of the other things, then we think the battle's against him and her and her and her and him and her and him. And, 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 and that's not the battle. The battle's not against flesh and blood. Scripture says it's against principalities and powers. It's evil rulers and authorities and of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Have we heard this so much or not heard it enough that we no longer believe this? I mean, you know, we like the practical stuff so much that what happens when pastor talks about the spiritual realm and warfare? Do we kind of tune out? Have we not heard it enough that we think, ah, oh, that's not the case? Or have we heard it so much that it just doesn't grab our attention anymore? There's literally... A war, a battle on for your life and the lives of your children. And so he says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body, the body of armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul implores the New Testament church to do three things. He says, be aware of the battle, prepare for the battle, and engage in the battle. Where are you? Are you preparing for the battle? Are you aware of the battle? Are you engaging in the battle? Where are you in that list? Are you aware? Let's start with number one. Are you aware that there is a spiritual battle going on for your soul? Are you even aware that that's happening? Am I aware that that is going on? That right now when we just go to work and pay bills and go to the grocery store and decide about our mask and all this stuff. Are we aware that right now there is an absolute battle going on in our world? Okay, yes I am. Okay, now let's move to step two. What are you doing to prepare for the battle? I'm going to talk more about this in two weeks. God's already laid a message on my heart. What are we doing to prepare for the battle? Because you're not going to prepare for a battle that you don't, you don't think exists. So if you're not even aware of the battle, like, you're, you're, you're checked out. Like, there's no helmet. There's no protection. You're just kind of going through, coasting through life. But you know what I'm finding in this time of COVID? 
what I'm seeing, and I've been watching DVDs, and people are, uh, men of God that I respect are saying the same thing. One of two things is happening in this time. God is revealing things to us because through this time, you are either getting closer to God or you're getting further away. God is revealing things to you right now. You're either, this is forcing you to dig deeper into the word and prayer and getting, and getting deeper and closer. Or churches are drifting away. One of two things. And so what are we doing to engage in the battle? All this is done by responding spiritually. You know, look at Paul. He says, it's in done in truth, righteousness, faith, the word. It's all spiritual. The way we respond is all spiritual. You will have intense spiritual battles. When you've turned your life over to God, repented of your sins, entered into covenant relationship, taking on his name in the waters of baptism, his spirit fills you with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Whether you realize it or not, you enlisted in a battle. You joined a side. When you say, Lord, I take on your name, and, and somebody says, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, the devils still tremble at the name of Jesus. So you better believe that when you went down in the water, last person we baptized was Dane. When I said, Dane, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, all of hell said, hey, mayday, Dane Espinosa, someone go to his house. He's joining the side, the name of Jesus. Jesus is being called over his life right now. Someone summon the troops. We got to go and intensify the warfare over there. Oh, I didn't know I was doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you took on that name, you got on a side and drew a line and said, I'm in covenant with him. I'm not in covenant with you no more. I'm not walking after my flesh. I'm not living after the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I'm not. No, 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 no. The works of the flesh are this. But the works of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the way I'm going to walk. That's the way I'm going to live my life. So you better believe I chose a side. You enlisted in a battle, one that you don't need to be afraid of, but you got to be aware of it, prepare for it, and engage in it. But then look how Paul ends that portion of warfare when he says in Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit. If you're not praying in the Spirit every day, you're missing something. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers. Is that where he ends? Be persistent in your prayers. Seems like a good place for a stop, right? But he doesn't. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Even though you are going to face your own personal battle, your own location, your own family, he places a burden of responsibility on you and says, pray. For all believers everywhere. Even though we fight individual battles, we are still one army. Wow. 
And so David, he was ready to take on an entire army. Well, David, what's, you, don't, you don't never read nothing. You know, something happens to Matthew. We're not going to be like, well, let Matthew handle it. I ain't going to go get all involved in it. It's his, his, his business. No, 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 no. We don't read that because the people understood they were one body. So they did it to one group of, one small group of ambassadors. And David's like, they did what? Joab, summon the army. Why, David? We don't see Joab say, well, why? What's the deal? No, no, no. David's fear is instead of judging our brothers and sisters when they fall or are shamed by the enemy, how about our anger turns toward the enemy instead of our criticism turning toward the fellow army member? Oh, you messed up, Luke. You messed up, Jacob. Oh, my goodness. You hear these guys? You know what these guys are No, 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 no. It needs to be Jacob and Luke fell. The enemy's after them, and I'm ticked off. I'm getting ready to grab my sword, and I'm getting ready to cover my brothers in prayer, and I'm going to go to battle with them. Yeah, they got hit a little bit. An arrow pierced them. I'm not sitting there going to say, oh, man, they fell again. They should have paid more attention. I'm going to say, no, 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 no. I enlisted in his army. We're in this together. And if that person got pierced by an arrow, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to get a little bit angry at the enemy and say, it's time. You ain't messing with just Luke and Jacob. You're going to mess with me, and you're going to mess with the entire army. Make our creed, I will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy. I will be persistent in my prayers for all believers every. That's the most effective way we can do battle. David realizes, that's why it talks about when one of you are strong, you reach to one of those who are weak. I wish I could remember off the top of my head the passage, but the Bible talks about this. Why? Because in this time of COVID, people are drifting away and others are getting stronger. If you're strong, it's time for you to begin to look to those who are struggling and weak and hurting and not just say, oh, well, I wonder where so-and-so is. Go find out. David realized that even though the enemy only messed with one small group, we never read the rest of the army saying, well, it's not my problem, individual battles, but one army. And this mindset is verbalized as they prepare for battle. 2 Samuel 10, 11, if the Arminians, look what they said, look at this, this is the culture of the, of the army. Hey, if the Arminians are too strong for me, then come over and help me. Joab told his brother, and if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I'm going to come help you. Be courageous. Imagine this brother's getting ready to go their separate ways. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and for the cities of God, and may the Lord's will be done. When you're in a battle, you just sometimes are willing to take it on and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to fight with everything I've got. 
when Joab and his troops attacked, the Armenians began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Armenians run away, they ran from Abishai and retreated to the city. And after the battle was over, Joab returned to Jerusalem. And the Armenians now realized they were no match for Israel. So when they regrouped, because the enemy always regroups, they were joined by additional Armenian troops set, summoned by Hadadazar from the other side of the Euphrates River. These troops arrived at Helam under the commands of Shobak, the, the commander of Hadadazar's forces. When, the, when David heard that he, this was happening, he mobilized how much of Israel? 80. He mobilized, hey, guys, it's time for a strategy change. We've been getting together at separate times in separate locations. But now is the time that the army of God comes back together. It's not time to be separated anymore. It's time to get together as one. And cross the Jordan. And, and, and again, the Arminians fled from Israel in verse 18. And David's forces killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers, including Shabak, the uh, commander of their army. And when all the kings allied with Hadadar saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they surrendered to Israel and became their subjects. After that, the Arminians were afraid to help the Ammonites. I want my enemy to be sent home so many times in such a bad way that when it comes time to say, hey, we're fixing to go after Refuge Church again, that the enemy's going, oh, Lord, not again. No, no, I, I don't want no part of that. No, no, no. Come on, can we, can we go after somebody else? I mean, let's go try another nation. Let's go someone not Refuge Church. Strategy may need to change at times, but we will eventually all, always come back together as one. Yet even though we're all back together again, I know that we will all leave this place. And you're going you're gonna to be going through your own battles. Some of your battles will start this week. Some will continue from last week. Everyone look around. You can look around. It's okay. It's still just socially distanced. You're just looking at them. That's all you're doing. Just look around. Look, 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 look in the eyes. Make eye contact with someone. We're afraid to do that in America today. Make eye contact. Like, look down, look down. We don't know where they stand. Which, which side of the line are they in these debates? No, just look. Make, make eye contact with someone. You are looking in the eyes of some warriors in intense battles. If you're watching online, look in the eye of somebody by you. If you're all by yourself, I'll get back to you. Look in the eyes. You are looking in the eyes of people who are in intense spiritual battles. Battles of fear, loss of employment or income, sexual sin and temptation, addiction, exhaustion, self-esteem issues, physical illness or disease, burden of lost children, loneliness, searching for their calling in Christ. These 
are intense spiritual battles. There are people that are watching online or sitting very close to you that if you were to go, hey, they would hear you. And every week you say, how's it going? They say, good, but they are fighting a battle. I will say I have actually never seen battles as intense as they are right now. I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. Definitely didn't understand anything about spiritual warfare then. Just like, wow, it felt great. It was awesome. And as I've gotten older, I've learned more. I still have more to learn. But I have never seen spiritual battles as intense as they are right now. Why is that? And I know I'm aware of the time. I want to wrap up here quick. But why is that? Because you know what? God's coming back very soon. I do not believe, I can't say God spoke to me right now. I just, if you ask me, I absolutely believe that in my lifetime, I will hear the trumpet. In my lifetime, before I stop breathing on this earth, the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And those of which us which are alive and remain will be caught up together. Have we forgot that that's still going to happen? And I know I remember hearing as a little boy those messages. And they would say, it could happen today. It could happen tonight. But truly, the stage is set prophetically. There's really nothing else we're waiting on. Prophetically, today, you could go home for dinner and the trumpet would sound. So you better believe that the enemy is saying, it is time to intensify. Our time is short. We have to do everything we can in every single way, shape, and form to try our best to defeat the army of God. And they know they cannot defeat us. So the true way that they win is to distract us. And when we're distracted long enough, the drifting process starts. And we realize we've stopped what Paul, we're no longer engaging in the battle. We're no longer preparing for the battle. Matter of fact, we're no longer aware that the battle is even taking place. Church, in my counseling sessions, I don't think I've ever counseled as many people in the last couple of months as I have in all the 10 years I've been here. That's not a knock on anybody. Thank you for trusting me. I want to walk this journey with you. Many of you have come and seen me, and I love you, and we're going to walk it together. But I want you to understand there is a reason why you are struggling, fighting, not feeling like praying, being tempted to do whatever you can do, being to the brink, feel like you're at the brink of what you can handle. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. 
and the enemy is intensifying the attacks because the warfare is present. And if you can step back and say, hold it, hold it. I stopped engaging. I haven't been preparing and I haven't even been aware. Thank God this is what he does. He sends prophets and preachers throughout all of scripture to call people's attention to something. I'm blessed to be the one to do that today, that God is calling our attention to say, the battle's raging. Where are you? Where are you? Are you absent without leave? It's an, I need you. Get back in here. Because, well, yeah, but I got my own battle and I got that. But you're still part of an army. That you're still, we, we, we need you. We need you to be praying for one another. The devil knows his time is short. It's not that the, the events of society have us isolating from one another, skeptical of fellow human beings, fighting fear, arguing with people because of a different skin color, and fighting fear of the unknown. These things take a toll, but it's not time to crouch in a corner and say, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just hoping to make it to the end times. Somebody needs to remind you, you are the church of the living God. God has put his own spirit, not a spirit of an angel. God has placed his own divine spirit inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So where you go, God goes. Where you walk, God walks. Where you take dominion, He gives you the keys. We've got to start walking and understanding who am I that we need to see ourselves. If we could just see ourselves the way the enemy sees us. You read that story, those guys said, oh no, I don't even want to talk to the Arminians. They didn't want to talk to the Ammonites anymore. I don't want to be no part of your battles because I'm sick and tired of messing with God's people people, the Israelites. The enemy is probably looking if we can get to the place where we say, I'm aware of the battle. I'm going to prepare for the battle. I'm going to engage in the battle. When the church does this together, the enemy will look and say, I'm done messing with Refuge Church. I'm so sick and tired of it. Every time we go there, they cast us out. They take dominion. They take authority. They don't get distracted. They, they're they as one. The unity is too strong. The people walk as one. The people pray Pray as one. The people worship as one. Be aware of where you are. I'm totally confident God is coming back in our lifetime. And you can come up here because we need to wrap this up. Sometimes we feel all alone in our battle because the situation has called us to split up. So the number, the enemy thinks, oh, yeah, I got you outnumbered. And you start to think. You're looking around, man, I come on Saturday last week. I came on Sunday. I don't even know. I haven't seen Sister So-and-so, my friend So-and-so. The 4th of July picnic, I got canceled. I just feel all alone. I feel like nobody's walking with me. I don't even know where. Are those people? people still in the battle well if you're wondering go check on them because even though we fight individual battles we are still one army yes we must have the exact same battle plan as david had in, in second samuel 10 11 he says if the armenians my enemy are too strong for me then addison don't leave me fighting by myself but Chris, come on, man, I need your help. Chad, don't let me fight alone, man. And then you know what? 
If the Ammonites, your enemy, Dell, if, you, if, if your enemy, you let me know, I'm not going to let you fight alone. Brad, your, your back ain't never going to be uncovered. I got that. That was the plan for the army. Because no matter what battle goes on, there's still one army. What type of battle are you fighting right now? It might seem like a totally different one than I'm fighting. What's your battle look like? What's the battlefield look like? What's the struggle? Just remember, it might look different than my battle, but the enemy is still the same. We forget that sometimes. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Nobody would understand what I'm... The enemy wants you to feel you're all alone. Nobody will relate to what you're going through. And in some ways, you might come tell me something I've never gone through. And you're right. I'm going to say, man, I've never gone through that. But I know the enemy you're facing. I know the enemy you're facing. Because my battle looks different than yours, but we're still one army and we're still facing the same enemy. My battle's too strong. Come over and help me. Is your battle too strong? Let me know. I'm going to put on the armor. I'm going to get over there. The battle's intense. Victory is on the horizon. But Paul says, as you stand to your feet, be aware of that battle. Prepare for that battle. And engage in that battle. Where are you? Are you aware? Are you prepared? Did you stop at preparation? Because it's aware, prepare, engage. Aware, prepare, engage. Listen. If you hear it, listen. Is that the trumpet? Listen, is that the trumpet? It's getting closer. It's getting nearer. It's getting closer. It's getting nearer. The battle's intensifying. Don't leave your brother or sister to fight alone. Be aware. Prepare. Engage. He's coming back soon. Oh, I'm wondering if somebody just wants to find a place to pray right now. I wonder if God's talking to someone right now. Come to an altar, stay at your pew, do what you got to do just right now. I'm wondering if God's just starting to speak to somebody, maybe online, maybe in person. Oh God, oh God, help me to be ready. Lord Jesus, help me to be ready, God. Help me not only to be ready, but to, to know that you've called me to be persistent in my prayers for believers everywhere. That God, I want to begin to cover people in prayer. I don't want to leave any of my brothers or sisters to fight a battle alone because the enemy is the same. The individual battles are there, but we're one army, God.